Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From Postcard from the Past and Wardour Studios, this is Podcast from the Past, the Postcard Podcast. This is the podcast where my guests share the picture postcards that they have received or bought, the cards they couldn't bear to part with. And together, we try to understand what it is in those images, messages, that hold such powerful memories and meanings. I'm Tom Jackson, and today I'm delighted to say my guests are writers, both writers, two writers, Owen Hatherley and Daisy Buchanan. Daisy and Owen, hello and welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Now, uh, I shouldn't speak for Owen, actually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> By all means. And my spokesman today. <laughs> uh, Owen Hatherley writes about architecture, urbanism, popular culture, um, with a razor-sharp prose and an eye for ludicrous detail. Uh, he has a particular interest in modernism, brutalism, architecture of the post-Soviet world, Britishness and all that that means, and plenty more. Fair, fair, fair comments. Yep, yep. Good. Um, so far, so good. Got away with it. Um, Owen writes for uh, Architectural Review, Freeze, The Guardian, The New Statesman, and is now the culture editor of Tribune. And when Owen was a child, he tripped over onto a piece of coral in the Canutes Pavilion in his hometown of Southampton, cutting his arm and bleeding all over the tourist ornaments for sale there. True? This is entirely true. These are the details. That's research for you. <laughs> so presumably, Owen, you arrived with a postmark from Southampton etched in blood. Yeah. Southampton's not very good for postcards. They always put like either a ship or the bar gate on and there's nothing else in the whole town. It's rather disappointing. No new images from a, a, a revived, regenerated city? No. Um, I'd always thought they could put the De Vere Hotel on it, which is a sort of bizarre 80s hotel on a traffic island. It's a sort of symbol of the what the place is actually like, but they've not done this. No, well, I shall search out just in case someone snuck one out somewhere. Now, Owen, do you still send postcards? Uh, yeah, I do. I probably send a lot less than I buy, but I do send them. So tell me in brief a little bit about your, um, your postcard purchasing habits then. Um... Well, it's usually, it used to be a big thing in going to um, markets and bookshops in countries where I don't speak the language, which we'll come to presently, um, that then those, you sort of immediately make a beeline to postcards and then just go through them. And I think you can learn a fair bit about a place and its, and its geography and its values from sort of going through this sort of particular thrown away postcards that you get. 
Mm. I mean, I must say, obviously, I guess roller cars. I think that idea of you flicking through image after image, you get this kind of kaleidoscopic, um, disjointed uh, notion of what of the culture of somewhere, often the culture of the past. In fact, it's always the past, but often the culture of your own country in the past. But abroad, you get you get that kind of weird, fragmented snapshot of the place. Yeah, a sort of completely visual idea of what it what it would have been like without any any words that you can understand. And there are boxes and boxes somewhere in your. There are so many boxes. There's two quite big drawers. There's like a big box. There's another box. There's quite a few in frames and stuck up on bookcases. There's, there's far too many. I'm so pleased to hear this. <laughs> I'm so pleased. I feel so much better. This is this is group therapy for me. <laughs> Now, uh, Daisy Buchanan, I could describe in fairly intimate detail, um, because as the author of the best-selling How to Be a Grown-Up, she draws somewhat uncompromisingly on her own life in very funny detail to pick out or piece together life lessons for women in their 20s. Daisy has a day job as Grazia's agony aunt, and she also writes for Esquire, Glamour, Look, Marie Claire. If it's shiny and you can get it in Smith's, she probably writes for it. Um, and nowadays, she also has her own hit podcast, You're Booked. An aggressive title, You're Booked, um, which she describes as a podcast for literary nosy parkers. And Daisy comes to us today bearing a Margate postmark. Yeah, I think it's pretty much um, Margate now, um, with a bit of a, a London smudge on me, a South London grey sort of wobbly bit underneath. <laughs> Well, it's a, it's a wonder you got delivered at all then. Uh, Daisy, when did you last send a postcard? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, I send them a lot with um, with gifts and things. Actually putting my address on in a stamp, well, not my address, that would be bizarre, wouldn't it? Putting the address on in a sender. Um, uh, maybe it might have been to my parents, who are the only people I know who send postcards with any kind of regularity. Um, but I do... I love buying them and then sometimes I write them but they just sort of end up in you know there are bags and bits and pieces and drawers and boxes where you think oh I knew the person that would have been perfect for and you know I don't I've not seen them for a year let alone actually found their address and posted it well I guess that's that's partly the joy of the postcard they're they're only small so it doesn't really matter if they don't get sent they're not going to clutter up your life I live in hope one day (laughs) well before we discover the cards that Daisy and Owen have brought along um I'll give you a quick one of mine. Um, this is, of course, a postcard from the past card, uh, like it on Twitter uh, and in the book. Um, so it's an old card from which I've taken just a part of the message. Uh, this is a card of Flushing Cove, um, Manacan. Uh, I think it's, I think this is Cornwall. It's, a, it's quite an um, uh, unidentifiable view, really. It's an estuary of some kind, I think, with a lot of, lot of uh, little, hmm. little boats on it. Could be anywhere in the south. Uh, sent, well, I can't see the date, early 70s, because it's got a threepenny stamp on it. And um, the bit of the message that uh, attracted me, really, was, so far, we've only managed to break our bedroom window. (laughs) (coughs) So there's a a small victory. (laughs) Ah, such a wealth of detail in such a short sentence. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that, that says all you need to know. And it, it, it does imply that on their holidays they usually break more than that. Makes me think of that priest in Father Ted who's convinced that everything is terribly made and he goes around kicking doors in and trying to break <laughs> CD players. Like, where did you get this from? <laughs> so it's more about what what goes on behind it, yeah. Uh, I'll do another quick one. This is uh, a bit older, actually. 
I don't know if we have a date on this at all. Uh, nine, oh, 1964. It, it looks older. It's um, a, a pier heading out nowhere, uh, heading out into infinity, really. Um, and it looks like... Is that Plymouth? It's postmarked Dover, so I suspect it isn't Plymouth. Um, but I'm not sure it's Dover, but um, it, might, it might be Dover. An, an exercise in perspective, definitely. Um, and they're writing to Paddington, uh, in fact, St Mary's Hospital Paddington, someone who's in the rehabilitation hut. Doesn't sound very promising. Um, and they say, they're describing um, their time in Dover. They say, Dover is the most wonderful place in the world, full of waterfalls and shooting stars, gorgeous flowers, and even for me, the inevitable, and then in speech marks, he. So I think this person, whose name was Gina, um, I think she was taking the mickey, actually. <laughs> so it's a capital H? Uh, no, look, I, think, I think the he is she's met some chap. Or she found religion in Dover. Yeah, I was thinking if it was capital H, it could be Jesus. He, but it's a, oh, a small H. Yeah, I think. I think. But there are and cheating stars also yeah. sound a bit like someone's having an attack of the vapors. Oh, I see. Or you, I, I took it purely to be a joke. <laughs> but maybe they're having a moment, a religious conversion, or some kind of special moment. I'm fairly confident there are no waterfalls Look, in looks Dover. Looks like the sort of place you'd have a road to Damascus conversion. This yeah, day. yeah. Well, you, you, you're, you're, you're certainly heading off into the great beyond <laughs> or, or, or into the sea. But, you, um, the ocean, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I, I really like that picture, actually. I think that is a great shot. Anyway, just to let you know at home, images of all the cards are on the blog, postcardfromthepast.co.uk, and you can investigate for yourself. Uh, now, Owen and Daisy, of course, you've been kind enough to come today uh, with postcards of your own. Owen, let's start with you. What's the first delivery you have for us? So the first one is a postcard of Sheffield Town Hall's extension, built in, I believe, the 1970s, which, if it's probably known to anyone outside of Sheffield, it's the place in Threads where all the council staff um, go and try and maintain Sheffield after the bomb has dropped before they gradually get suffocated oh, by wow. the fallout. Um, so, and this is presumably not entirely coincidental that you've chosen this. I was trying to think of things about this other than that, but yeah, that, that's definitely part of it. So it was nicknamed in Sheffield, well, this is this is a spoiler, but it's sort of nicknamed in Sheffield the, the egg box, and you can sort of see why it's got this sort of slightly sort of corrugated projecting kind of thing, and it's a sort of slightly egg boxy grey, and then connected with a walkway next to the Victorian Town Hall, and there's a sort of nice square there with some flowers, which those that know Sheffield will know as the Peace Garden. So it has a message on the back that is unfinished and was not sent. Um, and I'd like to stress, I did not write this. So you, because this it begins... Is, this is something you purchased. Then. I purchased, and I'll mention where I purchased on, it in a minute. But, uh, the, the message just says, Dear Tom, Oh, so um, another Tom, clearly, uh, here is the egg box on the right. It was never popular with the public and was knocked down years ago and replaced by a hotel. At the other end of Union Street, a new building for something or other. I can't quite read this. Looks like cellar work. Like that word? Cleaver Council work. Council work. Council work. Council, that would make sense. Cleaver work. Um, <laughs> it's been in use for some time. The egg box was on there for approximately 15 to 20 years. And someone's then written in pencil, 
about 1980 and charged two quid for it. And is that what you paid? That is what I paid. You were done. <laughs> I... No, but I think it's worth, great. Ev- worth every penny. Yeah, because you've got you've then you've got first hand documentation of a popular opinion about a piece of modern architecture. I, I feel as though I've had at least one pound fifties worth of information <laughs> from you reading that out. But that's, so, that's interesting because you, I mean you spend a lot of time um, looking at buildings, often of this uh, vintage, yep. and having opinions on them. I do, and it's interesting to get something from the ground. Well, so I, I, I picked this up in Castle Market in Sheffield, which was this sort of very strange, sort of multi-level modernist market. Like, there's not really anything... Well, it's not there anymore. But there wasn't really anything else like it in the country because it was sort of like several weird Victorian markets sort of combined into one and put into a sort of concrete Arndale centre. And Which is an odd idea. Which is an odd idea. And at the top walkway, the sort of outside walkway, there was this postcard shop, postcards and stamps. And there was an old guy that worked there with an extremely broad accent, which being very southern, I found hard to understand at first. But I ended up going there quite a lot and probably helped keep them in business until the building eventually got knocked down. And... They had a little section of Sheffield buildings and lots of them were, you know, kind of black and white images of, like, you know, terror streets and Methodist central halls and what have you. But quite a lot of them were of the 60s when Sheffield was sort of in its way at the forefront of of architecture in in Britain and in some ways in, in, in Europe. And... You would sort of, I should buy these, which is usually what I did. I got this one, one of Park Hill um, flats, and one of a thing called Hole in the Road, which was this peculiar sort of, um, sort of open, sort of underground shopping mall, which was planned as the name implies, like a hole in the road. Um, and usually you'd get a bit of chat about them. Um, oh, because he was familiar with these places. Yeah, exactly. Right. He was very pro the hole in the road. He, he greatly missed the hole in the road. Um, about the rest, he wasn't that keen. Um, and maybe he was Tom? I don't know. Maybe this was given to... To the to, dealer. To the dealer. I think you're building a romantic fantasy here. <laughs> well, otherwise, like, why is it unfinished and why is it unsigned? It's all unsigned as well. So, I think it's interesting because when they've written that message, the building is already gone. Yeah. Which is, I mean, not that's not that unusual. In that oh. Even if, if we walked a few hundred yards from here to Piccadilly Circus, you'd find lots of postcards which were the images of which were 20 or 30 years out of date and not vintage, just out of date. And cards often have this incredibly slow lag visually. They're they're like a memory already. We have a thing in a lot of seaside towns that they just obviously have so much stock from when people actually used to actually go there that they'll still have some yes. postcards. I remember going to Hunt Stanton and it was like they'd not bought any new postcards for 50 years. No, so whether you, whether they've got donkey's new... donkey's grandchildren are dead. <laughs> whether you've got new pictures exactly. or not, it doesn't matter. You've got to get rid of that stock. So they still, they still had like incredibly sexist, like 70s sort of saucy ones, which was you, you don't get where I'm from. So, I mean, it was kind of interesting because at the time I got this about like five, six years ago, there was you sort of saw that Sheffield was sort of demolishing a certain period of its of its architecture, and this was sort of one of the ways that it survived was on these on these postcards. And I suppose it's um, I mean it's been kind of documented in in, in things like Martin Parr's boring postcard books, but um, a lot of sort of civic architecture. It's interesting to see what gets picked up on postcards and what doesn't, and it seems quite arbitrary sometimes. What's it's quite rare that new buildings turn up on them anywhere. I remember being very struck. The first time I went to Manchester about like eight or nine years ago, the the new buildings there were on postcards. I thought that's that's odd. You don't get that in most cities that they're really like proud of, you know, 
a block of flats full of footballers. <laughs> that wasn't how the caption ran, was it? <laughs> that's not what they call the Beetham Tower, but that's what the Beetham Tower is. Very good. Well, thank you for bringing that one along. It's uh, uh, both a mystery and, and a piece of architectural history. So, Daisy, what's the first card you've got for us? Well, I had to bring one from Margate, which is where I live. And I should say, I bought this from the station this morning and I was getting coffee because I was coming here and I did have postcards. I did prepare, but it seemed like a sign that there were postcards. So this is a kind of bonus to show that the postcard is not dead. Yeah, this morning. It's of Dreamland, which is Margate's, uh, say, famous theme park famous in our hearts famous to me oh it's much much um, written about it's uh yeah i'm sure i'm sure you've I've written heard, about it i've not written about it you've not I've you've... been to margate next on your list oh it's lovely <laughs> i definitely recommend it come and um have you been to southampton it's not that far my mum and dad are near southampton and they can make the journey anyway so you're, both, um, <laughs> you're both from hampshire originally um well i'm more sort of dorset than hampshire southampton's uh, okay. on the way so i am I am quite southern. Um, but so Dream- the, uh, we, we know Margate's had this sort of massive revival or attempted revival partly through this dreamland. Where do you fit into that? I moved to Margate uh, a little over 18 months ago. Um, I'd lived in London for about 10 years and me and my husband had been talking for a while about going. And it had got to that point where living in London had started to feel like waiting for a taxi and it's coming in 15 minutes and you can't really you know, get anything done while you're waiting, but the waiting is a long time. Um, And I think because I'd grown up quite close to the sea, um, the idea of the seaside really, really appealed. Um, I love the the gaudiness of Margate. It's It's changing and it's evolving, but then also there are so many parts that do feel, you know, as though they've maybe not changed for some time. And I hope it's really funny living in a place where you can really witness firsthand gentrification and and you're and, part of it and I'm part of it for sure and you know what's positive and what's what's not positive um and I guess as well you know there are lots of people in Margate who you know, live in East London there's a joke that lots of um journalists not including myself refer to it as um as Shoreditch on Sea which make us all very cross um, but yeah, but Dreamland's really charming. I suppose Margate makes me feel the way I felt the first time I watched um, Wish You Were Here with Emily Lloyd. I think it's kind of, it's what I fantasise Brighton might be from things like kind of Quadrophenia. And it's, there's lots of brutalism and quite a lot of grey, but also all of these really bright poster paint colours and lights. And there's something so nihilistic about the seaside isn't there sort of pleasure seeking for one day only and there's a history of people coming you know for a day at a time or maybe a week that we've got to fit in all the pleasure we can in a very short space of time and dreamland is is, has been a sort of centerpiece of this regeneration it's what's on your card what's special about it what makes that different from just uh, you know a seaside uh, funfair well isn't dreamland a brilliant name in some ways it's as if someone had gone well think of something better when we go but for now we'll call it dreamland and it just stuck um because it is it's what you call a theme park in a bad movie you know like in um if you've got to invent a celebrity in a badly written novel and they're all like you know amanda star and claudia Glamour is that kind of name, isn't it? Dreamland. Um, but does it does it does it deliver? Are there dreams there? Is it is it is it dreaming? I think yeah, aesthetically it is. I love it because I'm not 
one for a scary ride. I used to be, or rather I pretended <laughs> I was a daredevil and I'd go to theme parks like, I'm really enjoying myself, vomiting and crying. And there's nothing in Dreamland that will frighten the horses. Um, what I really love about it actually is it's become a very good venue for music. So you can see all sorts. Of, I saw Leaf Scratch Perry this summer. Um Hot chip, I think. I think that was there. I don't remember. Oh, well, that, that well. is that is significantly um, different from a from a typical seaside uh, fun fair. So and it's it's nice because I think that you get so many people locally. There's a, quite a big kind of a, a mod community that come to Margate in a big history of music and lots of events. So what's lovely, I think, is there's a real mixing of generations. You do get tiny kids and grannies, as you would have done when Dreamland first opened, but finding things to enjoy. Well, you've, you've actually snuck that one in. That wasn't even meant to really be here. No. <laughs> so what, what's your first proper card? Right, my first proper card is, this is from the Peggy Guggenheim Museum in Venice. Okay. It is the Angel of the City So we're going to something Marino more high art Marini, here. Uh, made in 1948. It's a cast bronze. My husband and I know it as a man on a horse with his knob out. When I'd not been... You, you, because presumably that's what we're seeing, yes. <laughs> that is what we're seeing. Um, it's a very happy man. He's got his head tilted right back. It's quite stylized, so the features are not obvious, but his arms outstretched and they're on the horse. Really, um, it's like, look, it's having a glorious stretch, a very restorative stretch. So it's a joyous image. really is, and it's from a joyous time. I'd not been seeing my husband for very long at all when he suggested that he might like to take me to Venice. And I laughed and said, oh, that would be nice, not thinking for a second anything would come of it. And also thinking at the time, I can't afford to go to Venice. I'm going to have to talk him out of this somehow. And then seeing him in the pub and him saying, oh, I hope it's all right. I've done something quite impulsive. I've booked for us to go on this trip. Oh, wow. And it was so new and so early on that my friends did say, should we um, intervene? We're concerned that you're going to come back from Venice chopped up into bits in a suitcase. (laughs) So, I mean, I think that when you're first with someone and you're mad about them, it's the perfect time to go on holiday because you're just so courteous and kind to each other that you're really on your best behaviour. So a you, day w- you won't we, irritate each other? No. You sort of, we walked around in the rain on the last day and we got horribly lost. And I was just, oh, we know this is fine. Don't worry about it. It happens. <laughs> and we were, you know, woefully unprepared and, and waterlogged. But you, and, you um, can't go very wrong in Venice. I mean, You'll end up going around in a circle, but you'll end up yeah, somewhere safe. I don't know how we manage it. We're at an industrial estate at some point. I don't. We must have got off the, off the island. But most of the trip was idyllic and romantic. Um, and I just remember being incredibly happy and excited. Um, my husband Dale's a real art lover and knows a lot. But one of the things I adore about him is. He knows so much, but unlike, I think, anyone else I've ever been out with, um, he's very generous and talks to you about art with a certain amount of you know, presumed knowledge. There is no mansplaining. Um, and also, he's really happy to discover new things and be excited about new things. And on the same day that we saw this, we went to... Um, there was an exhibition about uh, Diana Vreeland, the famous editor of... Um, Vogue and Harper's, who is a real legend. And I've known about Diana Vreeland and loved her and read about her since I was a teenager. Um, 
And to be honest, the exhibition itself is a bit disappointing. It's a very sort of dusty palazzo and there are lots of like old Harper's cuttings and somehow they'd made everything very dark and they'd even managed to make the clothes look a little bit lacklustre. But this is just a memory of me being very, very happy and quite unable to believe my luck, really. This, um, this I, should, I should point out, this is, this is framed. So um, this sits on your wall somewhere? or It does. We've got it propped up against a bookcase, which is where quite a lot of our postcards end up. Whenever we get sent anything, they're displayed among the books. And um, it's just a cheap little frame we've got for it, but it reminds me of a very happy beginning. And it's not going to get absentmindedly thrown away. No, well, nothing does. We're hoarders, really. <laughs> That's the way you've ended up here. Thank you for sharing that and a quite, you know, a personal touching story. Very nice. Another quick card from me in the postcard from the past style. Um, this is a card. Wow. That's one for you to... Uh, can you read that name, Owen? I'm not sure I can. I certainly can't. A name like Owen, you should be able to. But... Uh, <laughs> I knew. Pen Nine Mao. I, I think it's attempt. a very Welsh name. Um, it's a Welsh name from the Green Gorge. You need to take a run at it. <laughs> yes, Penman Moor, I'm sure. And it's a beautiful picture. Um, and it was sent in 1978, and it was sent to uh, the Cromwell Road in, in, in um, West London. Oh, fancy. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, just the two sentences in it made me think, really. Um, the weather is perfect. I enjoyed my jury service. <laughs> Uh, I they must have done the jury service before going on holiday, but it just, you have a, a sort of image that they might have gone on holiday to, to spend their time in court passing judgment on Do someone. Do you think jury service would be more appealing if it was a holiday, if they said, well, yes. you've got to go and do it, it's two weeks, but we're going to send you somewhere really picturesque that you've never been before, put you up in a lovely hotel, yes. or, and all you've got to do. I think that's a great People way. wouldn't be doing that thing of saying, I can't do it, I'm a freelance, I'm uh, too busy. And then as well, you would, you know, you wouldn't have that awful holiday boredom where you have too much time and you've got to be with your family and you realise three days in that you really don't like your family that much because you just have that lovely, oh, I finished my jury service, now I'm going to see some something scenic. Or, yes. I think that's a great idea that I've just had. Have you done jury service? No. It can be quite depressing. <laughs> you tend to be hearing the most horrible stories, but anyway. But if you do, if the weather's lovely and if you're in... Pen mama. Yeah, yeah. This is the kind of social engineering that I hope we can we can sort of start to bring in <laughs> off off the back of all. I always said read looking at old postcards was useful, and now I realise that, that I was absolutely right. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to podcasts from the past, the Postcard Podcast. And my guests today are writers Owen Hathaway and the ever-inventive Daisy Buchanan. Owen, what's the second card you got for us today? So the second is a lot sexier than the first. Um, Sexy colours. I think it's pretty exciting. It says Adam and Eve in Polish, uh, Eva i Adam, and it appears to be a supermarket or department store all lit by a sort of very, very bright red, sort of very 60s neon light. It looks like a strip club. It does look like a strip club. Um, and there's sort of various other sort of neon signs you can see in the background. But a very modernist strip club, a sort of strip club if it was signed by Mies van der Rohe. Um, and, the, yeah, there's what looks like a shoe shop. I think there's some quite big boots there in the corner, which would support your theory. Um, so... Um, this was sent from Katowice in Poland in 1968. It has stamps. 68, and, oh goodness. Yeah. So it's a stamp of some sort of pretty historic city, which Katowice is very much not. Actually, probably the British city it's most like is probably Sheffield. It's a sort of steel town with lots of mines on the outskirts. Um, the It, it says it's Pavilion Pavilone and Lovebshe Ulitsa Felixa Dzinskiego. So that is a commercial pavilion on Felix Dzinski Street. He was the founder of the KGB. Um, oh. And um, the message just says... Well, is a commercial pavilion a shopping centre? I guess. I wonder if that's what that... Yeah. I don't know. Um, hyacinth bucket or bouquet. She, exactly. She'd call it, yes. <laughs> exactly. I'm just off to the commercial pavilion. <laughs> <laughs> so so the message says, Pozdrowienie Żyekatowicz, Przesła, and then there's an unreadable name, and then a date which is the 28th of the 5th, 1968. And so this means greetings from Katowice from whoever this name is. It could be, it looks like Adebu. Um, it's got some sort of like very strange signature type thing. And it's to an Irina Adamczyk in Lublin. Irina to Lublin, okay. So what, what's your connection with Poland? So there was a few years when, for what I think I'll, I'll best describe as personal reasons, that I sort of spent a lot of time there, um, probably some years, about half the year, in Warsaw. And um, I never really properly learned the language beyond, like, basics, um, as it's very, very, very difficult. They don't really do vowels. <laughs> um and um, that meant that when going to second-hand bookshops, which is the thing that I would generally do wherever I will go, um, you'd have to go directly to the postcard. So there was always a sort of effort to find get the drawn place. to the visual. Yeah. So there was always an effort to find the place that had the, the best kind of ratio of postcards to books. And eventually found this in a bookshop, which is still around and has actually expanded in the last couple of years, uh, called the... Antikvariat of Grochowski, so the, the, uh, the antique shop in Grochow, which is this sort of uh, working-class district on the kind of the grimmer side of the River Vistula in Warsaw. And they had, a, still have, like this sort of section of the shop 
just of postcards, like loads and loads of drawers, a load of stuff on the table, sort of constant new stock and a big sofa. So you can sort of nice. sit on the sofa and sort of go through this. And I've, I've literally spent hours doing this. I'm not proud. Um, so this, this sounds blissful. <laughs> it was blissful for me. Not all, I, I, I think it, wasn't, it didn't always go down well. There was also a certain amount of competition that went on. Um, you'd often get people sort of trying to get the sofa. Oh, and did you they want to go through the cards on. as well? Yeah. Uh, so you were actually elbowing the local collectors out the way. Exactly. Um, there ended up being a book um, just called Summer in the City of postcards from that era, sort of like the sort of Martin Parr type thing, but I think it has a slightly different sort of meaning out there for various reasons. Um, and this one's sort of from a genre that there used to be quite a lot of, of neon postcards. So they had this planned at being a, a, a communist country. It was, obviously, it was all planned. Um, a sort of planned neonization of <laughs> cities. Wow. So Across Poland or across, across, across the Poland, block? Across Poland. Poland. So you get it a little bit in other places, but Poland got really into it. Um, and they stopped doing it in the 80s because they couldn't afford to keep up the signs. Um, there <laughs> wasn't enough electricity. as well. Yeah, well, well exactly. You end up looking like a cocktail bar. Well, <laughs> that's exactly when they stopped doing it. It's when everyone else got into it. Um, they were like, we've already done this. We're not interested. Um, so what was, so, why did they want to do that? What was the philosophy between... I don't see the connection between socialism in Poland and, and neon. Where's the... Well, I think they'd, they'd, they'd kind of got sick of the amount of like Western people that had gone over there, especially because Poland's so diasporic, so there's so many people that have like an uncle in America mm. or an uncle in London or Bradford or what have you. So like people come over and be like, oh, it's so grey. Uh, be like, we have a way of dealing with this. Yeah, a really direct solution. Yeah, so um, there's... And these were like in really, really high demand, like neon, the neon postcards, because they're relatively rare. Um, so it was always kind of like, ah, neon postcard. Um, that would go straight to the top of the pile. Right. Um, elbow everyone and, and out. The, and the yeah, guy exactly. yeah, looking over your shoulder, tutting. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So you've got a few of these? There's a few, yeah. I mean, much less than I have of, you know, there's loads and loads of just like housing estates, um, because no one really wants those. Um, but these are... These are quite special, I think. I think it's fantastic. Well, I, I, my silly crack about it looking like a, a strip club. Well, there's there's rather more to it than meets the eye. But of course, it's emphasised here because it, that's not a puddle, is it? That's some sort of ornamental, yeah, a sort of pond, civic pond, yeah, duck free, I should add. <laughs> and, and the poles are quite sentimental about ducks, but there's no ducks there. No. It's amazing how evocative that image is, even though I could never identify where it was unless he'd said. In passing, it does make me think of in the early 90s, if you had to watch a video at school about STIs, that would be a brief shot of where you might get an STI. <laughs> it sort of looks like the place that some pulp might shoot a music video in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, or they'd have, they'd have died to go there. Oh, if you really squint, you can see Sadie Frost. <laughs> Terrific. No, thank you very much for sharing that and your expertise in um, the sharp-elbowed uh, postcard purchases from Warsaw. That's brilliant. Excellent. Um, Daisy, what's your final delivery for us? This is a postcard of... Oof, what does it say? Um, I think it's an Einschimhall, Einschimhall, which the stamp is Swindon. Um, so I think it's from that part of the world. Um, so, so finally, we've got a card that was actually sent through the post. Actually sent um, to me in the post at the start of um, 2018 from my friend Rosie. Um, something pretty horrible happened to me at the start of the year. And so Rosie sent me this really lovely message of 
love and support. Um, and it's full of exclamation marks. <laughs> and it ends with her saying, we are all rooting for you with lots of love from Rosie. Now, Rosie is a friend I made through the Jilly Cooper Book Club. Um, right. I've been a member of the um, JCBC, <laughs> as we are for short. Um, gosh, for maybe... Three or four years, and it started as being a very loose association of people who knew each other a bit from the internet, who loved the books of Jilly Cooper. It was founded by my friend Kat Brown, who's a journalist and a Twitter friend, really. Um, and Kat had lots of, uh, you know, school friends and university friends and friends of friends and colleagues and found herself drawn to them and didn't quite know why. But it's all because everybody you know, in their secret heart believes Dilly Cooper is one of the finest, finest novelists that's ever been and sort of knows all of her. So did she have a sort of heart. moment of revelation? Which said, Hang on, that's why I like all these that's people. That's what we've all got in common. Right. And it started as, you know, every two or three months we'd, you know, meet in a bar, have some wine, have a chat about the books. What it has become is... This is a world I had no idea existed. WhatsApp group where we talk every single day. And I think right at the beginning, someone said, we should maybe keep this discussion to Jilly Cooper. And it isn't that at all. It's like, It reminds me, actually, of what I have been using Twitter for quite a few years. And I fall in and out of love with it. But it makes me think of Twitter in the good old days. It's a tiny gang of brilliant, brilliant women who are just, you know, big things and small things who are endlessly supportive and incredibly funny and kind. And I'm 33 now. And I suppose something I think a lot about is how I think we we talk about how difficult it is to make new friends as you get older. When you're younger at school and even at university, you're thrown together in the same place with people who are all equally as unformed as you. You can be quite instinctive. You have a lot of time on your hands. And it's much harder, I think, as you get older to forge, the, forge these connections and these intimacies. And I just feel really lucky and, dare I say it, blessed. Hashtag blessed. To have encountered these really brilliant women in my 30s and it makes me feel really joyful and also really optimistic and I suppose what's nice about this as well is I really hope Rosie and I are friends for many many years to come but also it makes me think that I'm you know there are postcards in my future as well (laughs) and there are postcards and messages I have in my past to friends that maybe I've not stayed in touch with for mostly reasons of time and geography but you know, so she started stopped. as a Twitter friend, but she didn't send you a tweet with this mm. message. She, she's, she put it on a postcard. It's really lovely. And just having something physical, I think it's really good for us to remember that not everything is digital when so much is digital. And I mean, something I think about a lot that I get quite scared about is the sheer volume of information that we come across. I'm going to get this wrong. I'm sure one of you can correct me, but there's something along the lines of as a... A society, perhaps in the world, we've created more written data in the last five years or something than we have in the rest of time. Which, right. I mean, Digits that's on a screen somewhere. Yeah, probably it's not, not probably not quite that, but you know that would have changed since I last read it. But it's something like that. And so, but it's all going to disappear. It's all going to disappear apart from this postcard. Right. <laughs> which, yeah, it's I made that's right. I think that's absolutely true. Card, uh, which is, as we know, is famously indestructible and nothing will happen <laughs> well, to it. Yeah, unless you throw it away or throw it in the fire. I think, you know, 
Owen can't go riffling through a, a tweet box in, a, in, 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 in Warsaw. Thank God. No, <laughs> depressing. That Imagine, I'm sure. Snarky comments about a television show from 10 years ago. If communism had sort of followed its logical conclusion, then maybe that's the direction it would have gone in. Yeah. But there was often something rather low-tech about it as well. <laughs> Reliance on the Someone would have word. handwritten the tweets and then yes. put them on a postcard. <laughs> so you've kept that. It was supportive. It was a friend writing to you. But it wasn't so private that it was in an envelope. No, I don't know whether... We've just got a lot more casual now. I think we reveal so much of ourselves. And culturally, I think we're in a place where a lot of us do. I write about myself quite a lot, um, mostly because I look at what Owen does and how I think about how very, very clever Owen must be and how complicated his job is and the amount of research it takes. And I think the nice thing about writing about myself is I have those facts and... I don't have to look them up and they can go unchallenged. Um, And also, you know, gosh, you know, writing as a woman and living as a woman, everybody questions everything you do the whole time. So at least you can say, well, no, I've got, you know, it's me. (laughs) This subject I (laughs) should know about. Yes. (laughs) I think there's an element of weirdly, you know, being revealing of yourself can be quite scary, but in some ways I feel less cautious about that than I do. Well, I felt very nervous about that statistical bit of information I just deployed that I'm not quite sure about. Um, And I do think that ourselves have become currency in a way that's new, but maybe in some ways as well, maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe, heaven knows, you know, whoever delivered this, and, you know, Rosie sort of doesn't go into the the details of it, but someone might have handled this as it made its journey from her to me and thought, oh, you know, someone else is having a bad time. It's not just me. Well, very good. Thank you very much for sharing that card with us, Daisy. <laughs> On that note. Um, yeah, no, very good. A personal card. And, and a proof that, that, that cards can have a distinct positive emotional impact. You felt supported. I really, really did. <laughs> well, thank you very much, both of you. Um, I'm delighted with the cards you brought in and you shared them with the listeners. Um, another quick reminder, images of the cards that uh, whizzed us towards these memories and stories are all on the blog, postcardofthepast.co.uk. Well, before we let Daisy and Owen back out of the palace of postcards to their word processes and deadlines, I've got just one more card for you to enjoy. Um, it's become customary for us to end the programme on one of these. Not sure if either of you have seen one of these before. Gosh, it's like the flexi disc ones. Well, can you get it? To, can you get it to play? Because I got a, one of these once and it was, wouldn't play. Have is a look. it a, a picture disc? Is it Italy? Uh, I don't think it is Italy. I think. Uh, well, see if you can work it out. That. That's some. That's Serbokroma, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And I think it's Serbian. If it's Bel- Belgrade, is Serbia? Yeah. Yeah, Belgrade, Yugoslavia. So it's a singing postcard. Yeah, the, the, I think it's the one that, t- that tells you um, you can play it a certain number of oh. times and then it self-destructs. Yeah, plays so five hundred times perfectly. I guess after and that, then imperfectly. <laughs> Here we go. Sveti Stefan Miločer Budva u letnje dane Svitu žure kad prođe zima i sunce grane Is that Serba Krajat? 
I believe so. It's jauntier than I expected. At first, before the words kicked in, I thought it sounded like, you know when you stay at a hotel and they've got the in-room entertainment? It's like, join us in the Shark Tooth Buffet. <laughs> it's a sort of seaside holiday type place. Yeah. So like All seaside holiday music is the same anywhere in the world. Uh, yeah, maybe that's it. The music of the seaside. You must get that in Margate all the time. What I love in Margate <laughs> is in the, like right by what they call the Golden Sands, not sort of the town centre, but um, where the main seafront is, the um, pedestrian crossings are a little bit off beat, so they sound strangely syncopated, wow. melodic, melodic, and not as a usual pedestrian crossing would. Just by chance? I like to think it's deliberate. Because <laughs> the, the whole town is slightly offbeat. Slightly offbeat. The Christmas decorations are up all year round as well. And, wow. Um, I like to think that's deliberate and not just laziness. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have a very positive spin on the world. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, as the Serbian peninsula spins around in eternity, that's it for this time on Podcast from the Past. I'd very much like to thank my first-class guests for sharing the postcards from their pasts. Owen Hatherley and Daisy Buchanan, thank you both. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Bye for now. You can see more postcards with their messages posted every day on Twitter. Do follow me, at Past Postcard. And you can buy the book, Postcard from the Past, by me, Tom Jackson, at Amazon and all good booksellers. And if you're looking for podcast production, check out wardorstudios.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.